We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You up until 10 o'clock. like that song. Good, Kind of a good midweek song to, to get your day, uh, to get kind of over to hump. It's a feel-good song. It's yeah. hump day. Come on, yeah. let's give it up. We're almost, we're almost done. We're <laughs> the back end of hump day. We're almost there. Uh, true, true. <laughs> yeah, I like that type of music. And, uh, and Danny G is with us. Uh, Larry Bluestein, midweek with you. Uh, second night, uh, we will be here again on Friday evening, 6 to 10. Uh, a lot of people are taking vacations this time of year, kind of a trickle down, and uh, we've had a lot of fun. We really have. Uh, great guests uh, last night, last Friday, the Friday before, tonight. and Because uh, if you know me and we do our high school uh, sports, South Florida high school sports show every Monday night, you know I always bring really good guests on. And we got a kind of a spillover uh, because we last night uh, we covered everything from the Dolphins and the Hurricanes, uh, got into the heat a little bit. And when we have a four-hour show, that's pretty neat because then uh, we can do all that and, and have an opportunity because, yeah, I have another world outside of high schools, if you can believe it. I've, you know, I've been in involved in baseball pretty much all my life so and, and follow that and you obviously obviously know how I feel about college and uh, professional football so uh, with that in mind our show this evening will kind of take a little bit of a um, you know from here to there just like we did but uh, instead of having a bunch of guests we'll have four guests and then Danny G and I'll talk about a lot of the upcoming uh, things like the Marlins trades I want to get into that and we'll have an opportunity to do to do that give everybody a variety whether you're listening at home in the car wherever you are uh, it gives you an opportunity to not only hear some people tonight but uh, as Danny and I kind of discuss some of the topics and there are I mean we're, we're right uh, hurricanes uh, big time in, in the middle of their preparation for Florida, the Dolphins the same way. Um, uh, so we have a lot to talk about. About uh, 9.45 or so, we'll hook in with uh, Mike Leach. This is a, I mean, I know that a lot of you around, you know, listening, you, you know Mike Leach, a very colorful head football coach at Washington State who um, spends a lot of time in South Florida, especially the Keys, Big fish, fisherman, loves the uh, weather. Why not? Great area, uh, you know, like Jimmy Johnson. So we're going to talk to him 945, talk to him about the state of football, you know, the playoffs, how they are, also his team. And, uh, you know, he's he's done a really good job. He does a good job wherever he goes. Good man, um, funny guy, very humorous, has a way of looking at uh, things in a different way. Also, uh, in that 9 o'clock hour, Chris Chambers. Uh, awesome receiver, Dolphins, Chargers, great guy. But what he's done is he's extended his career out, and uh, he's really never left uh, left football. Now he he trains, he teaches. Um, he just uh, you know he's he's got the total package. He teaches you. I mean, if you have athleticism and and you got the speed, he'll teach you how to be a really really good wide receiver like himself. But we'll talk about the Dolphins. We'll also talk about some of the events that he has and some of the things that he's involved in. About uh, nine oh five or so, uh, eight forty five. We talk Dolphins, and that's important as. Uh, uh, we're right in the middle of it all and a lot going on daily. I mean, b- but everywhere you look, there's always going to be, hey, who's playing quarterback today? And uh, Fitzpatrick didn't have a great day or a great early part of the day. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well as uh, some of the other things to look for. Alan Poupart from Dolphins.com. Uh, been a reliable reliable source for years and years and years. Uh, great perspective on things. We'll talk to him as well. But we're going to kick off tonight's show uh, with somebody who has uh, taken on a uh, a role this year as a head coach at ASA Miami. For a lot of you, it 
don't know much about ASA, it's our junior college or community college in town. Um, is a program where, uh, from the athletic standpoint, they groom those athletes, get them for a couple of years, and then move them on to other colleges and are yeah to other colleges around the country. And they've had, I mean, uh, they they're one of their linemen is now playing at FIU. They've had a lot of uh, a lot of success uh, in the last uh, couple of years under Coach Bowden, and now uh, Coach Re- Roosevelt Williams uh, is in place. Uh, has had. Uh, uh, the last couple of months, we had him when he first uh, got the job, and uh, now he's had a couple of months under his belt. Has uh, quite a few players coming in uh, that a lot of you would know, uh, local high school kids, maybe kids that came back from other colleges as well. And it's a pleasure to have Coach Williams on the air this evening. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, and when you and I first talked, when you got the job, mm-hmm. you, you had told me, you goes, this is going to be kind of a, you know, this is going to be a project. We got to get things in, you know, in order. We got to do things the way we need them to be done. And, and you have. You started off extremely well. Talk about the progress as we, you know, right here at football practice, everybody's practicing around the country uh, within the next week or so. Talk about the, the progress you think that this, uh, this uh, program has made in the last couple of months. I think we made a lot of progress. Uh, just getting these guys in here, you know, once the first time we talked, I said I wanted to um, build this program locally, and we was able to recruit some good local kids and local talent around here to um, get this thing moving. Uh, we have uh, Anthony Cornell, a receiver that came out of Central, Miami Central. Right. Uh, he's with us this year. We also have uh, we have some Booker T guys, uh, Isaac uh, Reed, and some some guys that play for Booker T. We have uh, Michael Nesbitt, transfer kid out of Kentucky, uh, Justin McGriff, transfer kid out of Nebraska. All these local kids that uh, is a part of the program. Uh, Jason Swan, a St. Thomas Aquinas kid, you know. Uh, so we got some kids, um, local kids that you know going to um, turn the tables for them. But the process has been um, exciting, you know. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And, yeah. um, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Well, you've played this game at a high level. I mean, you know what it takes. I mean, this is, uh, for a lot of these kids, this is, you know, keep getting their dream and keeping it alive, getting them ready and, you know, maybe getting a couple right. of looks to go to the next level and, and, you know, be prepared when they get there. I mean, you guys have a really big role. I mean, you're getting these kids prepared, uh, you know, for that spotlight. You know, they, they may come to you and they may not be big enough or they may have one thing thing that they're not good at and you guys were you have the time to work with it from an individual standpoint you refine that and and you get them on their way you get them started in in the academic process so when they leave you and go to the uh, to a four-year school or to the next level uh, they're more a lot more prepared when they come out of high school talk about that because I think that's one of the important things that people don't understand and that's why the people in Tallahassee I wish they would listen to me and and allowed <laughs> junior colleges in this state you right. know to play in right. a league and not have to go all over the world to play, but uh, talk about that because I think it's a very essential that you guys in ASA, not only here but up in New York, have have made that step forward to give these kids another you know forum, another venue to to showcase their you know what they have. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we, we get a lot of kids that you know probably didn't qualify out of high school or you know was uh, struggling in high school, and also kids that went to four year school but kind of struggled up there or. Uh, probably got in a little trouble. So we get those kids, and we all about, you know, rebuilding the character of these kids. You know, that's whether it's academically or, you know, on the football field. So once they get here, we just try to try to, try to to build them up so when they – and prepare them for, to go off to their next four years. So – and that's what I try to tell my coaching staff. We're going gonna, we're gonna to make them men here. You know, we're going to make them respectable men. You know, the football thing, it's it going to take care of itself. So we try to build the character of these kids, and once they get out on the field and the character in place – Everything else will come. So I just tell these kids, you do what's right, character-wise, attitude-wise. And once you get on the field, you show yourself, and um, these college coaches, they'll be knocking down your door. So that's all we're about, right. rebuilding these local kids because, you know, hey, in, in, in um, the city of Miami, you know, you got the best talent. So one of the best talents in the country. So we just try to get these kids so they can be able to um, – live their uh, childhood dream of going to four-year schools. And also give them an, an opportunity to get some traction academically, too, because, exactly. you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, football's great, and but it's, it's going to end someday, you know, whether it ends in two, four, or ten years, it's going to end, I mean, and you've got to be prepared. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that, uh, you know, your kids, I mean, I know they have a really good curriculum at ASA, it's a, a tremendous, you know, it's a tremendous school. Um, a lot of kids kind of align themselves, they 
find something new when they get there, maybe see a counselor and they talk about maybe what their future is going to be. Um, that's important as well. I mean, to, to guide them from an academic standpoint, as you know, as well, I mean, you've been around the game and, and you've seen people, uh, you know, come up short, you know, and maybe people who had all this promise and, and for one reason or another, they didn't, uh, make it, but they didn't have anything to fall back on. So, I mean, talk about that because that's essential too. Yeah, coaches know. The coaches here know that. Yeah, you're a coach, but at the end of the day, you're still an academic advisor too for the for your position, coach. I try to tell every uh, coach that you're the head coach of your position, so you're responsible for them academically and discipline. So the coaches, the coaches on the staff. You know, they know they got to be an academic academic advisor to these kids. So if they need help uh, with their homework, uh, you know, all that stuff, you know, we have coaches in place that's, that are college graduates to be able to help our kids um, be able to, uh, you know, we teach them how to study for tests. We teach them how to take notes. So, yeah, we're coaches, but we also we, yeah. we also academic advisors too. So, No doubt. Coach Roosevelt so Williams joining us, a head coach from ASA in Miami. And, Coach, also you were mentioning your, your coaching staff, and you have some really good guys, guys that are local guys as well as people who have played the game before. Talk a little bit about that because, as you said, at the end of the day, it's going to be those assistant coaches that are going to have an opportunity to be a, a very big part of the these athletes' lives. Exactly. Uh, offensive coordinator, we got uh, Eddie Brown. You know, locally y'all call him Rabbit. So uh, <laughs> Eddie, he's going to be responsible for the uh, offense and also the receiver. So, you know, Eddie, you know, he played arena for a long time and yeah. uh, is a legend at arena ball. And, you know, his son, Antonio Brown. So once our recruits or the receivers who play here hear, hear that Eddie's our coach, you know, that give him a little lead where, okay, I want to see what he got. Maybe I can be the next Antonio Brown yeah. or, or something. So, Eddie's he responsible for the offense. You know, we got a couple – we got other coaches that, you know, locally, you know, that um, you know that know where these kids come from and all that stuff. So, uh, what stick out to me the most is probably Eddie. You know what I'm saying? He's – He's one of those coaches that, you know, on the offensive side of the ball that can get the thing going. And you mentioned that. I mean, this is such a unique place to be. Uh, here you have St. Thomas University opening up for the first time in the next couple right. of days. We talked to Coach Bill Reichel. You have uh, Kaiser right down the road. You have all these programs now, a lot of interest in South Florida. Uh, Ava Maria over near the Fort Myers area. And and, and, and you have these schools. And, and, and now Florida Memorial will be starting over. Uh, over the next year so now you have not just those schools outside the area but you have a whole new group of, of, of schools that that your your players all have options to go to talk about that because that's got to make your job a little bit easier because if people are going to judge on how you get kids to the next level well you've got a few open doors not too far from you I love it you know what I'm saying when I heard those schools opening up and starting football programs you know I got excited because that that's that's another avenue for our kids to go to a four year school. So I don't I don't build relationships with those coaches from those different schools. Um we scrimmage Saint Thomas uh in two weeks. So oh, that'd okay. be good. And there's also yeah, and they they can be able to look at our kids and see our kids, evaluate our kids. Um Kaiser, we scrimmaged them last year, so you know, I have a have a relationship with these guys. So it's 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 good for it's good for it's good for the program. Yeah, you know, that, our kids they don't have to go nowhere to go to school. They can stay here right in right in the city in the state and yeah. go to those some some of those schools. I like that idea. I mean, I really do. I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a tremendous idea. And I mean, back in the day, they used to have uh, way back in the day they used to have colleges. They used to have junior varsity programs at the college yeah. level, and yeah. and they would play schools around the state. I know Miami and Florida used to play mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, but you talk about a you know being a community or junior college program outside this area. I mean. It's stacked. I mean, you look up in New York, you look at Mississippi, Virginia, California, Texas. I mean, all these states. Mm -hmm. Why not my, uh, Florida? Why Why not? Did you ever ask that reason why we don't have? Because we have now 22 or it'll be 23 college uh, playing football universities next year. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a junior college program other than ASA that, that, you know, that could feed them. And uh, did you ever ask why? Because it seems like a logical question. <laughs> yeah. I asked the AD probably about a month ago, like why, why is no junior colleges? Why are we the only junior college in the state of Florida? And I can't, I can't remember all what he said, but it was something to the, to the fact that uh, they passed a law. Okay. Probably like 10, 15 years ago saying that we couldn't have no football, junior college football in the state of Florida. Man. So 
it's just all about somebody going back to Tallahassee and fighting for it because, like I said, it, it, it will be a gold mine to have a, a, a junior college uh, football conference down here in the state of Florida, man, yeah. because we have so many talented kids from South Florida to North Florida that we can build our own our own um, league down here, just like our Kansas do up in Kansas, Mississippi, yeah. California. So, yeah, somebody just need to go to uh, – Go to Tallahassee. How about you, Larry? Go yeah, to Tallahassee. Well, and, uh, I, I may get there, it, but I will. But I. But here's the thing, too, Coach, that, that I kind of have it all planned out where you could have six okay. teams, and then what you do is you meet maybe in Orlando, and you play all day, yeah. and each team play, each school plays a different, and at least you get that, you know, that experience in. You can invite college coaches that, that could watch. It's a great recruiting tool. Right. Uh, the, the expense would be basically none because you'd probably try to just, you know, there'd be a no overnight you'd bus up in the morning you know give yourself about a couple hours to relax and stuff and then play and i think that would be awesome uh, you know and that because i think it's the cost i mean they, you know they're talking about the extreme cost but if you're on the road and you're all you know you're playing the whole thing to me is the way i looked at it coaches it's a developmental thing i mean if you could de- develop and expose these kids uh you know so they can exactly. further their career and get that education you know because you know i when i was in high school admittedly i wasn't all about education but haven't been around oh, me either. but haven't been around this for 49 years my appreciation for teachers and I always and I always whenever I see teachers I always apologize for you know not respecting what they did because I see what they do right. and I see how much these kids right. get out of it and uh, yeah it's, that's an important uh, you know facet from as far as I'm concerned but I'll go to bat I'll I'll see what uh, the yeah. latest is yeah. uh, I'll take it on but before we let you go just uh, talk about your schedule you know i mean it's uh you you had talked about some of the you know uh, scrimmaging st thomas university uh talk about some of the teams that you're going to line up against this year well the teams that stick out to me we play uh we play two top 10 teams uh junior college wise we play uh lackawanna you know lackawanna is a is a is a junior college located right outside philly you know they went uh undefeated last year and won a bowl game so that's a team that we play uh we play on the second second game of the season, so that that game there really tell us where we stand at. You know, um, we play Lackawanna. Uh, also, we play Snow College. That's a college Utah. out of Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, you, yeah, they. You know, so it's a pretty solid college. So we play we, we we play them. You know, a little bit in the middle of the season. So with that game, we play them home. So so we went up there last year. You know, that was pretty good last year. Last year, you know, we went up there. And they kind of got us in the second half. But, uh, you know, we uh, wait for them to come back down here, and we'll, we'll see where we're at. Another team that st- sticks out to me is Georgia Military. We played them two times a year. So those are we played six junior college teams this year. You know, I think that's the most we have played within a year. So uh, we're going to see where we're at. You know, I'm excited about the guys that we have, offense, defense, and special teams. And, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to be ready. Yeah, you know, no. And I always tell these guys, let's, let's play fast, physical, and fearless. And yeah. if we do that, Stay disciplined. We can stand some ball games and win some ball games. So that's where we at right now. Let the people know because they want you know everybody. I just got texted. <laughs> where where do they play? Where do you guys play? Uh, what time are your games? Uh, how much does it cost? Uh, give everybody an idea how you know they could come see ASA Miami play. All our home games is in Mylander. You know we had uh, Ted Hinge Stadium right in Hialeah. Mm-hmm. So we play all our home games in at uh, Mylander. Okay. Um, so that's where all our home games are at. So. If you guys want to come check us out, we uh the schedule is posted online, you know, at uh, com. But I know all our home games. Summer's going to be at five, and summer's going to be at one. So, yeah, come check us out, man. We I, I'm really excited. Like I said, I'm really excited about this year. I think this is the year that we're really going to turn the corner. Good stuff. Coach Roosevelt Williams, uh, head coach at ASA Miami. Thanks so much. Uh, best of luck. Uh, and, and I know it's going to be exciting. I see a lot of the kids' names that you have on that roster, and, and I'm excited for you guys. And I, I wish everybody out there, because, you know, if they lived in California, junior college football is, you know, it's second nature to yeah. them. They should get right. out and watch. Right. Right. This is this is good football. This is, you know, kids are getting matured here. You, uh, kids that you've watched in high school are getting bigger and better and uh, uh, well-coached. Uh, coach, thanks so much. And We'll hook up with you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Good stuff. Coach Roosevelt Williams, uh, the head coach at ASA Miami. Yeah, we have junior college. It's just not something uh, that we have uh, across the uh, state. I kind of remember what he's talking about as well. I I remember back uh, when they had um, 
there was something ri- written in the legislature. But I mean, things are meant to be ch- changed. Right, Danny? I mean, you know, when you when you when you have a junior college when people are saying that junior college football will never happen because it was written in the legislature. Nineteen twenty when I first did the story, I think it was nineteen thirty something. Come on. I mean, come on, you can't hold a, you can't hold a rule about no junior college football back from the nineteen thirties up until something today in the 21st century. That's just ridiculous. So now you have a program like ASA that has extra travel because they wouldn't have that travel if you, let's say, if there was a school like, you know, Valencia or Tampa or wherever. But uh, that's an interesting thing to to ponder as well. Well, we have a huge night. I told you we're going till 10 o'clock with you. We're excited about it. Uh, We have a great guest list. As you heard Coach Roosevelt Williams, about 8.45 or so, we'll talk Miami Dolphins with uh, Alan Poupart from Dolphins.com. Uh, right after nine o'clock, for uh, we'll get inside uh, Chris Chambers, talk a little the football with Chris, talk training things that he's doing. Chris is doing a lot of great things. We run into him a lot. He's and he his knowledge is crazy. And if and if you remember when Chris played, um, you know you know what uh, type of competitor he is, and uh, and he was, and he still is. And about nine forty-five, we have a little bit of a treat for you. Um, and we've had him on before. Uh, Mike Leach is one of the great guys. I mean, he he's a tell it like it is coach. Um, he wins. He develops. His style is crazy. Um, at Washington State, he's going to join us about nine forty-five. So I'm excited about that. We're going to take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on. A little bit of the Marlins trades. Danny and I were like comparing notes uh, uh, before the show, seeing who went where. But uh, exciting night right up until ten. No, come on, sing it, Blue. I'm not a very good singer, but I do something else good. I know baseball. Wednesday night, Larry Bluestein, Danny G. Satisfaction. But it's that's definitely my era. You knew that. You tapped into that. I think what you do is you ask your dad, hey, what was popular back then? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, we take you up until 10 o'clock this evening. Uh, thanks so much to Coach Roosevelt Williams from ASA Miami for joining us. In our opening segment, about 8.45 or so, 15 minutes from now, we'll talk a little bit about the Dolphins with Alan Poupart from uh, Dolphins.com. But baseball, Danny, this is, uh, you know, where you and I are probably the lone baseball fans uh, around. There's not a lot of... It's it's really scary how literally you and me are the only people who left in the station who actually like like baseball, don't mind discussing it. It's like it's like all soccer now, and, and God bless him. You know, I mean, I got nothing against the sport. It's it's not my cup of tea, but yeah, you know, I, I can talk a little hardball with you. Yeah, I know. Well, Frito, I mean, I got to get Frito. Oh, credit. Frito, yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, got to yeah. put Frito in. Yeah, because he's but he's a good, big Cub fan. But the Marlins, as you as you uh, had uh, so eloquently in your update, uh, a kid that pitched last night, Zach Gallen, uh, had a great night too. By the way, yeah. Well, that's, that's what did he have? Like, what did he have? Like seven innings pitched, nine nine Ks. Yeah, yeah. Gone today. Um, now he's gone, and, uh, and the Marlins get more uh, prospects. And he, the the craziest thing about this, and and I guess the key to the deal was Jazz Chisholm, the shortstop. Uh, uh, and and this guy's pretty good. Uh, he, he's already has 18 home runs in the minor leagues, Triple A and or Double A rather. And he has an opportunity to, to you know maybe help the Marlins uh, in the near future while they wait for some of their other prospects to uh, uh, to develop. But that makes now the Marlins have the, according to Baseball America, as uh, they have the fourth best minor leagues. Now this is this is something, Danny, that that uh, you know that uh, Derek Jeter and the new regime strive. They made it a priority to tell everybody, and we've acted accordingly. You know, we're we're trading off the fourth or the fifth most productive offense of all time in in the outfield. Uh, you know, we're sending them to Milwaukee, but you got kids from the Milwaukee trade. 
then you we send, got, I think we got Yamamoto you, from the Milwaukee trade, if I'm not mistaken. As, as well as Isan Diaz, who, uh, as Joe Forcero la- told us last night, that could uh, be up at any time now to play second base. Uh, and they also got the, the, uh, the Monte Harrison, the, the center fielder. So then the Cardinal deal, which I think is pr- pretty good, they got our favorite pitcher, uh, Alcantara, or Alcantara, whatever. Alcantara. <laughs> Alcantara. So for the Ozuna deal, and then you look at the, you know some of these other deals that uh, started working out for him. Justin, you know, I know, and it was tough for me, and it's still tough for me to deal with them giving up a catcher uh, that Johnny Bench uh, said that reminded him of him. You know, I mean, and then you, but you have to get somebody for him to get the Sixto Sanchez, who was the very number one prospect in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. So to me, you gave give up a JT Real Muto. You have to get something for him, and they got a pretty fair catcher, a catcher that the Marlins were been using all year, and he's been doing extremely well. Uh, and one of, the, one of the bright spots, and Alfaro is definitely one of the bright spots this season. Exactly. So now what you have is all these prospects. And and I know people at home, people everywhere shaking their head. Well, you know, they're just prospects. They haven't shown what they could do. But, yeah, they have because a lot of these guys in the rotation, like Jordan Yamamoto and also Alcantara and Caleb Smith and players like that, are the future. And certainly getting these young pitching pitching prospects reminds me of what Atlanta did. Atlanta, Atlanta stockpiled all these arms. And now they can afford to get into the race, and that's what they did today. But the big deal is Houston. Houston acquiring yet another big-time arm. Cost them a lot, but you know what? That's, you know, if you're Arizona, you look, I mean, you got Paul Goldschmidt was gone. You got some good value for him. Uh, Now you pick up the... Really, really, you know. Now, now Houston takes them out of out of the top twenty <laughs> of being one of the top franchises. But they loaded up. Uh, Zach Greinke goes, uh, and Zach Greinke just pitched, I think, today. Uh, in fact, and then all of a sudden he went out during a rain delay, and next thing he knows is um, he's he's taken off saying goodbye to everybody. But you know, he's getting paid handsomely, and and if Houston wants to to kind of like bring up that uh, you know and continue to ante up for these pitchers, that's up to them. But I said last night. And during the during the show last night, I said if they're and when we talked to Joe Forsaro uh, from MLB.com, uh, he kind of agreed. I said teams like Los Angeles, Atlanta, Houston, the Yankees, um, the Nationals, all those teams in contention need to be big players. They need to be vital players um, during all this. I mean, and and they were. I mean, they he, have to be, especially the Yankees. You know what? It really. I actually, if I could be personally honest, I'm surprised the Yankees didn't make more moves here at the at the at the deadline because the Yankees have basically one of the best one. I think they're right there with the Dodgers have the best the best record in baseball right, right now. And you realize that the Yankees have a starting rotation where not one pitcher has an ERA under four <laughs> in the entire rotation. Now, now, kudos to them, and that shows you the importance of offense in baseball. You know, that you can have an Aaron Judge back there and you can have the kind of offense that the Yankees going to put out on a night-to-night basis. But if you don't have one pitcher, not one pitcher with an ERA under four, you're not scaring anybody in the playoffs, period. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and and, and especially the Yankees, uh, where they should. I mean, they've got – they spent plenty of money on a couple of those pitchers. I mean, and and you got to give CC Sabathia a little bit of slack because this season – He's older already. Yeah, he's whining, but – I, I seem to remember they 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 paid uh, uh, handsomely for a uh, right-hander from Japan. Uh, <laughs> that's a Tanaka who they flew his entire family over on a seven forty-seven. If you remember, just them alone, uh, they rented out the entire. Uh, yeah, so you got to look at, at the way you give out this money. Now they paid Tanaka. They paid J. A. Happ. But again, you're not going to get. That's not. That's not starting caliber. That's not playoff caliber pitching that you're yeah. going to get from there. Those guys fill out. Those guys will fill out your rotation just fine. But you know, where's where's that one guy that you know that when he gets to start, man, you got a 95 percent chance of walking out of it with the win. The Yankees just don't have that. Yeah, and now Houston anteed up because now they think that they can pass the Yankees as a favorite to get there. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a this is a very good team. I mean, this is a great, you know, they, you and I were talking before some of the bats that they have with Bregman and and you know when Altuve's uh, at least healthy. You know what? It's the still the uh, the Marlins and their crazy deals, and, and we'll talk in the past tense. Those were crazy deals. You know, Jason Marisnik is still hanging in there. 
I mean, I saw Jason Marisnik last week, and he's still hanging around from uh, all those deals, and the Marlins are still giving away Castillo twice, who's having a banner year for the Reds. Speaking about the Reds, the other day, did you see the two guys? Here, Trevor Bauer, awful outing, and uh, he goes uh, for the Indians, and he takes the ball, and he heaves it over the center field wall. Uh, Terry Francona, his manager, comes to the mound and says, what the heck are you doing? And guess who was on the trading block? Well, he's gone now. He goes to the Reds, where they just lost another kind of like loose change, Yasiel Puig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I love Let me tell you something. A lot of people can give Yasiel Puig because he's definitely got a screw loose oh. up there. But he's got a screw loose in my kind of way. That dude is a competitor. I absolutely loved him when he was coming. When he was coming, I think it was a couple years ago that he came out of Cuba. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I wanted the Marlins to sign him so badly. And he ended up with the Dodgers. But, man, I love guys like him that have a little bit of a screw loose. We'll get in there and fight. You know, can hit for some power. I mean, he's a fun guy. Did you see that bro? It was just oh, yeah. fun. It yeah, was just a yeah. good old classic. But he kept bro. coming after him. He kept coming after. Oh no, him. he wasn't going to stop. No, he's uh, he's a tough guy. And I mean, you look at the Reds, and you got to give them props because I think everybody picked them to finish dead dead last, and they're still within strike. If they go on like a win ten out of fourteen games, I mean, they could be right in the mix. I mean, they, that 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 uh, Chicago, Milwaukee. I mean, all Milwaukee is now is basically Yelich. I mean, he's he's the leading hitter in the league again uh, you know all right I mean I, it's not so easy to produce uh, uh, MVPs and, and, and if, if Yelich it's coming down between Yelich and Cody Bellinger I mean you know it is I mean just the way those oh, guys yeah. are knocking each other off. I mean I think this is Bellinger's year for the MVP I mean I, I don't I, I mean unless Yelich just goes like you know insane like just numbers that'll bog your mind but if they're anywhere close I think this is Bellinger's year just just because it is his year no and and I'm sure the the Dodgers uh, will advance further than the Brewers in the playoffs so he'll get a lot more of the shine but here's the thing too and I, and I think it's important to understand about Yelich is he's relentless I mean you know he gets down for a while now he's leading the, I look in the box score he, he's leading the league again in hitting and uh, and he leads the league in home runs and uh uh, it's amazing. He's just Yelich, not, is, Yelich yeah. is the one that just kills me when we traded him away, Blue. I mean, the they could have kept they, they, the, the, the contract that he had. We had that kid under control for like what five years? Yep. We had a kid under control for five years, and you're looking at a guy who is currently the MVP in the M in the NL, two years running, and he's looking, and he can easily win this year as well. I don't think he will win this year. But this is the guy. This is this is this is, this is the guy you dream of. This is the guy to build your team around. And, and, and granted, uh, at least at least of all the trades, the Stanton trade, the Ozuna trade, the Yelich trade. Granted, we probably got more in the Yelich trade than in any of the trades. Yeah, by because, far. You know, by far. by far. You know, granted. But you know what? I mean, come on, man. Like, how do you let that guy go? That's five years. You can build around the guy. In five years, you could rebuild your you could rebuild your minor league system. Yeah. In five years, you could totally change the face of your roster, and he's still there yeah and then you and you'll still have a bunch of young guys who you don't have to pay yet so you know what you can do pay him yeah pay him big big time but you know what now if you try to get him back he'll be like 300 oh, million dollars easy <laughs> see that's what you got to understand and i don't care what type of regime you are and i don't care what what you do, you have to understand when you give up on somebody like that because he was a number one draft pick. I mean, of all the Marlins' terrible picks over the years, you know, Yelich was one of those guys. Chris you know? Volstad, yeah. you know. <laughs> Chris Volstad. Yeah, Palm Beach Gardens, big six seven guy. And I mean, but I will say, if you remember back when they had Mark Kotze, Mark, oh, Kotze, yeah. Mark Kotze was one of the most versatile. Uh, he was like, um, the, uh, what's his name? To, um, the guy with the Angels. Uh, could hit, he he could pitch. He could do everything. Uh, to, um, I can't even think of his name right now. Trout? No. No, Tahani. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so you get a guy like that as a number one draft pick. Charles Johnson, who was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, obviously the best catcher in the history of the franchise. Well, let's 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 stop right there before you, before you bring in Charles Johnson in this conversation. What? There was a point, there was, no, no, no. There's, 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 a, there's a line of demarcation with the Florida Marlins as far as how the organization <laughs> oh, was. okay. And that's... Pre Dave Dombrowski and post Dave Dombrowski. Okay. Because those are completely different organizations. Dave Dombrowski had that thing humming. All right. When 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 Luria and his and his, you know, cackle of gang came in here 
and they started, tore everything they, apart. They tore everything apart. They took that minor league system. They pulled. We pulled out Dontrell. We had Miggy. We, that was the minor league system that brought us up. Mike Lowell. That brought us up. That entire team. That entire 2003 team. That was all Dave Dombrowski. Yeah. Putting together a putting together a package, a minor league team for five years later, which by the way was what he got for selling off the '97 team. Yeah. That's so, so the Marlins. So let's, so let's not talk about this. Let's you want to talk about terrible drafting and, and decisions. I the want Junior made. Felix let's, let's back. Go, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Two thousand and three forward. Yeah, you're so funny. Yeah, they uh, the Marlins have made some crazy trades in the past, but now they're you see they're keeping to it. I mean, all these veterans that they have on the team, as we talked last night, uh, you, you know, like uh, Curtis Granderson, and and those are guys that are year to year. You know, you you know everybody would have liked to keep Dietrich from last year. He was a low cost guy, and you know he would he have 17 home runs in the first three weeks of the season for the Reds in a, in a, a reserve role. Guys like that, guys who you don't know unless you were around how valuable they were. I mean, they were low-cost guys. They're never going to cost you, you know, they're going to cost you, you know, a couple over the minimum. But you get a versatile uh, player who could play seven, eight positions. So uh, that's exciting as well. We'll talk more. We have guests for you. When we come back, we'll talk uh, Miami Dolphins. Alan Poupart, the uh, Dolphins.com writer, will join us. Don't forget Chris Chambers, Mike Leach from Washington State in our next hour. Radio.com. Oh yeah, coming back in on a Wednesday evening, the soul man as I am up until 10, uh, 10 o'clock this evening, Larry Bluestein and Danny G, who uh spirited guy when it comes to talking baseball. He loves his baseball. Also, he loves the Dolphins. I know that, and the Hurricanes, and uh, he's a local guy, and that's the way it should be, and uh, certainly the Dolphins are making news daily, and they should be because it's training camp, and we've heard, uh, you know, read enough, heard enough in the offseason uh, to speculate and uh, speculate uh, quite a bit, and uh, somebody who's out there every day and uh, does more than speculate. He he reports the facts and has done for a long time. Alan Pupar from the uh, Dolphins.com is kind enough to join us this evening. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Blue. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. well right, this is the season for you. As you say to me when you see me during high school season, you say, this is your season. Well, this is your season. And uh, certainly started out with a bang. Everybody uh, coming in, you get a chance to see some some of these guys now with pads and see what they could do. Talk about uh, what it's like finally to get this thing going after months of speculating on how uh, the Dolphins are going to tank and they're going to do this and and now all these players are out in front of you. You get a chance to watch them every day and uh, see what they have. Uh, uh, minds change quickly and probably daily because uh, a lot of kids, a lot of players are, you know, have tremendous days. Some of them don't. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick today, not so much, but he's had a pretty good opening few days. Talk about uh, what you've seen. Well, these are the days of analysis and over-analysis where every single thing is dissected. Uh, and conclusions are being made on a daily basis when they probably shouldn't be made on a daily basis, but that's the way it goes. Uh, it's a whole lot more fun, I would tell you, than the the off-season program, which has its value, but in terms of, of what you can get from it, from an analysis perspective, is really not the same. Uh, it's football in shorts, let's face it, when you get to training camp, especially once the pads come on, it's it's a little bit more like, like real football. It's more like it's actually real football, and then you take it another notch when the preseason games start. Actually, when the scrimmage starts, which will be Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium, yeah. take, take it up a little more, another notch when the preseason game come, and then, of course, they're real deal with the, the regular season. Um, so there's only so much you can take from the practices, but there's certain guys who clearly have jumped out and looked like they could be in line for some really good seasons. And I can tell you one guy who really stands out is, is Jerome Baker, the second-year linebacker from Ohio State, who looks really, really, really good. A little bit bigger than he was last year, moving really, really well. And in a lot of the 11-on-11 uh, 11 on 11 periods, he's getting to the quarterback, uh, really, really looking good. And Xavier Howard looking great, but that's no great shocker there. I mean, no no major revelation. The guy's a complete stud. 
Uh, offensively, you have a couple of guys who have taken a turn. Devontae Parker is having another great training camp, which is not something we have, we've never heard before. question with him is whether it'll carry into the regular season and whether he can stay healthy for the duration and, and put up the kind of production that his talent level suggests that he should be able to do. Uh, Alan, when you take a look, too, and you were talking about Jerome Baker, uh, this is a linebacking core that, I mean, you have Kiko Alonso, who's been there for a few years. You have Raekwon McMillan, uh, who obviously feels, uh, when we had a chance to see him over at Edison that day, he said he just he, he feels good. He feels like he can make a contribution. Linebacking core is going to be very vital, uh, obviously, this year because of the fact that your secondary is really strong. Uh, it's been, you know, it's probably as athletic as it's been in years and versatile, too, if everybody stays healthy. Talk about the linebacking core. I mean, does this, it's not a very deep uh, linebacking core. Uh, did, do they have enough frontline players to, you know, to, to, to go to bat every Sunday? Well, there's one guy you haven't mentioned that really needs to be mentioned, and that's Sam McWabowen. Okay. He's a guy that often signed out of the CFL who played for, I believe it was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yes. Who really has been impressive, made it some kind of an impact. Absolutely outstanding in coverage, getting a whole lot of reps with the first-team defense. So he's a guy who's all of a sudden in the mix. Uh, as much as the other guys you mentioned, I would expect Jerome Baker to make a big leap. They're also using a lot of defensive backs. I mean, I, I get the feeling this is going to be a, a kind of defense that with the likes of which we haven't seen around here for a while, like a very unorthodox defense in terms of, of how they're going to line up. Uh, the expectation with Brian Flores coming over from the Patriots where there would be like a, like pretty much most mostly a 3-4 scheme. Uh, in camp, we're seeing an awful lot of four-alignment four formations, uh, awful lot of DBs on the field. So exactly how that's going to play out and exactly how many linebackers they need to make it work remains to be seen. Uh, again, I mentioned Baker. You figure at some point Kiko Alonso is going to have a role. You figure Raekwon McMillan is going to have a hole. And you're right, Ter- I will give you another name, though, and you probably will remember him from his high school days in Miami, and it's Terrell Hanks. Yes, yes. Rookie yes. free agent who played at New Beast. Mexico. So I think he played at La Salle. Yes, he did. And and you know what? His freshman year, his first game in the Swamp, he had nine tackles as a freshman, and no one had a clue about him. But, yeah, he's a big-time kid. He, he, if he stays healthy, he, he's a big-body guy. Yeah, no, he's a good, too, and he's, he's got some speed. He can move, and he's one of those UDFAs and wouldn't shock me one bit if he made the roster. Wow. So, no, they don't have a whole lot of frontline players, maybe, a whole lot of, like, big-name guys at linebacker, and especially in terms of depth. But I, I think they'll, they're okay. Okay, they're, they're not as deep as the secondary. I mean, they're very deep in the secondary, especially at safety. They have a lot of guys they can do a lot of different things with on defense in the back end, uh, including T.J. McDonald, who's a guy who don't be shocked if you wind up seeing him taking snaps at linebacker. Uh, which only helps in terms of the versatility and what they can do on defense. Yeah, he's got size, so obviously that wouldn't be a, a huge stretch because he. And in fact, they were kind of hinting that way last year, uh, you know, using him more of those packages. But you have a whole new defense, and then, I mean, a, a whole de- new defensive scheme. Uh, and and for even for guys who cover this on a daily basis, this is this is all new territory because you've never dealt with this staff before. Uh, this is uh, all new for you, so you guys are going through kind of a learning uh, a learning stages as well. Talk about what you've uh, seen from this coaching staff uh, from Coach Flores that that you lot that you like a lot. Oh, there's a lot of things I like about him, and it's extraordinarily no nonsense. Uh, not a whole lot of putting around. Uh, I mean, there's some things that in terms of stressing discipline and all that, that you hear every summer from every coaching staff. So uh, it makes for good copy, but it's set off often enough. Now we got the TNT wall where if the guys make a mental mistake, they'll jog to the end and touch, touch the wall, which is maybe not a big deal in itself. But when you're, you're practicing already in, in severe heat, the last thing you want to do is to have like run an extra hundred yard or 80 yards, whatever it is to go touch the wall because you made a mistake. Um, I love what they're doing on defense in terms of, again, disguising what they're doing, doing a lot of things differently. In the past, it's like every summer, every training camp you come in, and it's like basically said, okay, here's your 4-3 defense, wide line, whatever it was. Uh, and you got the feeling that pretty much it's going to be the same thing. This coach, again, based on the experience that, that they brought from New England, and based on what they've told us and what we've seen in practice, it's going to be a deal where it's going to be week to week you're going to see something different. 
yeah. and it's going to be adjusted to the opponents to take away what they do best uh, and making it turning into a chess match with your, the talent of the players obviously involved. And I think it's going to lead for some, some decent results. I have very high hopes for this defense, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I agree. Alan Poupart joining us for Dolphins.com. And, yeah, I want to look up front because I, I love the pick of Christian Wilkins. I loved it on the night. I love it now. He's just energetic. He's a ball of fire. He's willing to learn anything. He's an intelligent guy. He's athletic. And then you pair him uh, with Godshaw, who I thought had, you know, as a guy, it's always willing to work as hard. And somebody who I think is on the clock this year is Charles Harris. He's got to replace some, you know, I mean, you look at Cameron Wake and what Cameron Wake did for this uh, organization. Charles Harris has got to come. I, I know that a lot of people were waiting for him the last last year to do something. He looks like, I, and I saw him, he looks a lot better in better shape. He got bigger. He seems a little bit quicker. Talk about him and, and his, you know, the, what you expect out of him. No, and the Dolphins absolutely need to have something big from him. I mean, that's the guy they picked in the first round two years ago. And, yeah. and let's be frank, he hasn't done a whole lot so far in his NFL career. But he, he does look bigger. I mean, I, I looked at, look at him, and he looks much wider on top. I asked him today if he was – heavier than he's been in previous training camps. He didn't give me an exact number, but he said, yeah, he he does believe he's heavier. And he's looked pretty solid so far in training camp. Uh, I want to touch on the defensive tackles because you yeah, mentioned uh, both both Wilkins and Devon Gasha. Do not sleep on Vincent Taylor, who has been absolutely lights out so far in camp. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's looked really good. And the other thing about Wilkins is we talk about the, how he's coachable and all that great personality and good work ethic. He moves that he moves that line up front. He's all, he's also been very impressive. So I think they've got a very very nice set of defensive tackles. Um, not a ton in terms of proven commodities as far as edge rushers are concerned. We met Charles Harris being one guy, which is why it's so important for yes. the Dolphins for him to really step it up. Uh, I would I would imagine that Brian Flores is going to find a way to put him in, in in advantageous situations to be able to help him in terms of the pass rush. Uh, but, yeah, he could be a key guy on this defense. Offensively, we touched with Devontae Parker, who looks awesome in these five weeks, and uh, but then all of a sudden fails to – or has failed. I'm not going to put, put that label on him, but it has failed to come up big. And, I mean, this is a big year because, I, to me, I think uh, having a guy like Kenny, Kenny Stills, who's, who's a worker around the clock, and then having a healthy Albert Wilson and then maybe Jakeem Grant. Because when Miami had the, the, the speed in there in those first couple of games last year and had the – the option to use, you know, an Albert Wilson in different situations or uh, Jakeem Grant speed. I mean, they you ha- they gave you something to think about. Oh, no question. I mean, those, those two guys were lights out. I mean, especially Wilson before he got hurt in that Detroit game in October. I mean, he was outstanding. Um, very encouragingly, uh, Coach Flores said uh, Wednesday morning that – that Wilson is on schedule in terms of getting back in because so far all he's done is individual drills okay. uh, that he's going to be back at practice sooner rather than later. At least that's the hope uh, because he's a key guy on offense because he's in a very explosive town who you can use in a lot of different ways. Shoot, even through a touchdown pass last year, yeah. you can use him on the jet sweep and all that. Yeah. Reverting so, back to and, his old days. High school days. Absolutely. Yeah, and he was a running back at uh, – correct, a running back in high school. And then the thing with Parker is along – because with Stills, Grant, and Wilson, you have three speedy guys who are not necessarily big, but then you throw in Parker and then, and then Bryce Butler, who you, who you also factor in, and then now you add the size where it complements this wide receiver core very well. Uh, Alan, uh, before we let you go, offensive line always, I think it's a concern everywhere in the country right now. But I mean, down here, more so, uh, not, an, you know, not enough depth. That's been a problem. They get too many injuries and then they're picking up guys off the street. Uh, this, is, this is probably one of the big uh, things that keeps uh, uh, Flores up at night is this offensive line and the lack of the depth that, uh, I mean, they, they got a challenging schedule. Everybody has one, same type of teams. But I mean, wow, they, there's no days, no weeks off. And uh, they're going to have to be. They're going to have to bring it every week. Talk about what you've seen on the offensive line so far. Well, we can see a whole lot of changes, uh, yeah. starting with the coach who was fired yeah. on Monday. Exactly. And then he leaves. No, and then here's the thing that's interesting. He spoke. To the, the assistant offensive coaches spoke to the media on Sunday, and Pat Flaherty uh, 
on in what turned out to be his last day on the job, said that the rookie third round pick Michael Dieter was a long ways away from being an NFL player or something along those lines, but he was a long ways away. And then the next day, the next practice with Dave DiGuglielmo back as the offensive line coach, Michael Dieter's taking first team reps at left guard. <laughs> uh, so you see, you see kind of a nice transition there. Yeah. Um, they have a complete stud in Laramie Tunzel at left yes, tackle, which yes. is the most important position on the offense. They have a an established solid veteran at center, Daniel Kilgore, which arguably is the second most important on the offensive line. Now it's a matter of finding three other guys to step up and really get the job done. I really like Jesse Davis as a player. He played at right guard last year. This week he's practicing at right tackle. Is that where he stays? Are they moving back to right guard? Depends on obviously on who else steps up, and this is the hope in the next several weeks that they find two, two other guys that I would imagine Tunsil Kilgore and Jesse Davis will start two other guys to step up and really look like they're going to be solid players for the Dolphins this season, whether it be Michael Dieter, whether it be Shaq Calhoun who's a rookie free agent from Mississippi state, whether it be Will Holden who used to be for the Cardinals, whether it be uh, Chris Reed who they signed as a free agent from Jacksonville, they just need two of those guys to step up, get the job done. And then in terms of the offensive line coach change, the guy they got in place now is a very, very good offensive line coach. So there's no issue there in terms of them being well coached. They're going to be well coached. It's a matter of just being, finding enough guys, yeah. making the pieces work. Yeah, no doubt. A scrimmage on Saturday, um, like you said, it, this is where some of the questions are answered. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people are going to find out a lot of things this Saturday when they when they put them on and and you know try to go for position. Alan, I appreciate you stopping by. Everybody can visit you over at dolphins.com. Uh, comprehensive coverage awesome you guys cover everything uh related to the dolphins and uh i appreciate you taking the time oh my pleasure Blue. Anytime. good stuff alan poupard from uh, dolphins.com brings uh to an end our first hour danny that went pretty quick our next hour as we told you we'll talk a little bit uh with uh former miami dolphins and charger wide receiver uh chris chambers and we take a trip to the West, and uh, a very unique and a very funny guy, a uh, great coach too, Coach Mike Leach uh, from uh, Washington State, will join us as well. Don't go away. One more hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.